On the first season of our show, we've been speaking to experts about students and anxiety. We've had the privilege of speaking to doctors, psychologists, and counselors to break down the challenges these students are facing and what we can do to help. The voices most crucial to this conversation are the ones we haven't heard from yet. Today on Graduating Anxiety, we're speaking to the students. Welcome to Graduating Anxiety, the podcast that gives you an inside look into the academic challenges that students struggling with anxiety face. I'm your host, Alex Merrill. Jeremy and Vera are two students I've worked with personally. They both had their own struggles with anxiety and have overcome challenges to get where they are now. Today, we're going to discuss these challenges and let them share their own thoughts on academic anxiety and what we can do to help the students that are struggling. First off, I'll be speaking with Jeremy. So, Jeremy, just tell me a bit about yourself and how we know each other, too. I was dealing with a lot of academic anxiety and... You being a tutor who specializes in anxiety, we were set up and started working together then. That was about a little over a year ago, I would say. AI was a place that you had gone to when you were taking a, taking a leave from uh, college, correct? I was at a uh, intensive outpatient program for anxiety. Um, I had taken a medical leave from college to work on anxiety. I was dealing with severe anxiety in pretty much every aspect of my life, social anxiety, academic anxiety, life anxiety, panic disorder, and it all just came to a head and basically made it impossible to continue at school without taking some time off to seriously address those issues. So during that time off, I went to an intensive outpatient program and was set up with you. And how did that go for you, um, out of curiosity? I made a lot of progress in social anxiety, made a lot of progress dealing with life anxiety. I learned a lot of really great skills. I would not say that it cured my anxiety. I I still am dealing with a really problematic amount of anxiety, but it was really helpful and I don't regret going at all. I think it was what I needed to do and I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to do it. Now, the, the anxiety that you're still struggling with, is that surrounding the academics? Is that the, the type that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, academic okay. anxiety, right. Right. performance anxiety, perfectionism. Tell me, tell me about that, that perfectionism. How does that sort of manifest for you? Well, when I write, I can't get a sentence out of my head and onto a piece of paper without having to correct it. And writing in particular with perfectionism becomes an immensely painful process of writing a sentence, looking at the sentence, realizing it's a horrible sentence, rewriting the sentence, erasing that sentence, staring at a blank page, and then not getting anything done. And, you know, it it spills over to other areas of academics too. Um, One of the reasons I have trouble studying for a test is as soon as I start studying, I get nervous that I'm not going to do well on the test or that this studying won't be enough. Or what if it isn't enough? What if it's not effective? And I panic so much that I'm not able to study at all. For me, it's not a little bit of pressure 
it's it feels like my whole life depends on everything. And when I say I get too anxious to do something, I have like a full scale panic attack. My I don't really have control of my body anymore. I just it's absolute misery. It's not, you know, palms sweaty, knees weak, arms heavy. It's it's I guess you could call it losing myself though. So there is that. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. I can kind of hear the influence too of of Anxiety Institute and a lot of like reflection about that. I think it's um I think it's cool that you're able to understand yourself that way and that you're able to to sort of own that. Just to backtrack a little bit, maybe you could just, you know, tell me what are some of your interests academically? So I'm majoring in computer science. I always had a little bit of an aptitude for it. Uh, I took AP computer science in high school. One thing I really like about computer science is how you can do a problem and then immediately know whether that problem is correct or incorrect. Right now, I'm taking a combination of computer science and philosophy classes. Switching gears just for a second, though, I'm curious to hear you talk about this. Tell us a little bit about your home life. How has it sort of influenced some of those choices that you've made? And how has it affected your your sort of day-to-day life? I come from a very supportive family. I don't think my parents did anything wrong raising me. I don't think that I came from a family where there was an enormous amount of explicit pressure. However, a decent amount of implicit pressure and always high expectations. I grew up with a twin brother, so and, and we get along great, but there's always that sense of innate competition. Um, my parents are both very well-educated people, and they sent my brother and I to private school, and education was always a really high priority, so there was always a lot of pressure to perform well, even though I I never feared what they were going to say or do if I didn't do well. I feel like I ended up kind of internalizing their desire for me to succeed and seeing it as my own desire to succeed. My dad deals with anxiety too, not on the same level, not as debilitating, but I can see traces of where I got it from. Tends to be, I think there's a genetic component. But I mean, I would say I really, really identify with what you just said. You know, I don't know about a lot of other people out there, but with my dad, there was no, no, you know, mention ever of, you know, you need to do this or you need to do that. But they had the Exeter banner up in my room without ever saying anything about it. And then he had Ivy League um, banners above my bed. Um, So it was Yale, Harvard, Cornell, Princeton, I forget. I really identify with that sort of like implicit pressure. To me, that's almost more insidious, but I've always put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself as a result, just because I knew like those attitudes were out there, but it was different. I mean, for my grandfather, he got C's and D's in school, but still ended up going to an Ivy League school. You know, it's, I just, I think it's completely different these days with the admission rates and just the expectations and all of that. But I mean, at this point too, admission is... It's not something that one can really, it's something that causes a huge amount of anxiety in everyone. Uh, You know, high school seniors around the world, everyone gets a ton of anxiety, but so much of it is luck and BS and things out of your control that 
you would hope that it would cause less anxiety. It doesn't work like that. And even though in some ways it's just as much of a crapshoot now as it's always been. Um, my great uncle graduated summa cum laude from Harvard and then got rejected from Harvard Medical School because they were like, uh, we have one Jew already. And that, that's all the Jews were taking. Uh, wow, that's bold. So, they came out and said that. So admissions were always kind of be. Well, it's speculated that Einstein didn't get employed in an Ivy League university partly because they had quotas on Jewish faculty members. I mean, when he emigrated, there were still very few Jewish professors in the U.S. Luckily, things have come around there, but. My point is just that there's a, even back in um, the Middle Ages, there were ridiculous, unmeetable expectations related to college admissions. Like, if only you were less Jewish, then we would accept you. That's that's. <laughs> I'm curious, just going back to uh, something we were just sort of talking about, you know, your anxiety didn't really become as debilitating to you until, and really until you, in my impression, until you get to college. I mean, you were able to sort of get through high school, boarding school, through the college process, all of that. I think for a lot of kids, they uh, stumble in a big way before they get to that. I'm wondering why you think you were able to go through all of that really challenging part and not be, uh, not experience that uh, same debilitation. Yeah. So I think you put it well, because the anxiety was still there. And I just, struggled to a lesser degree with the same things that I struggle with now. Uh, I think partly it was, I just had less work to do and it was easier when I didn't have to put in very much work in the first place. I wasn't as anxious about doing that work. And now what happens is I get this meta anxiety about whether or not I'm going to be able to do work. Um, so I get anxious about having to do homework later in the day because I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And I definitely didn't have that in high school. With that said, I mean, I didn't do as much as I theoretically could have done in high school because of that anxiety. I basically did the minimum that I had to do. That's remarkable. You got through the whole college process and all that, though, too. I would think that would be stressful. At least the college process was awful for me. It was, it was so stressful. It was so terrible. By far the hardest thing anxiety wise that I had to do in my life up to that point. Cause you're just subjecting yourself to judgment and there's nothing that anxious people hate more than judgment. So you've, you've had your own personal struggles with the traditional uh, educational system as many do curious what you think the major shortcomings of our school system are, uh, especially with uh, kids with anxiety. I think the first thing is that we don't distinguish between the anxiety that every person feels in their daily life and the debilitating, problematic anxiety that is I think anxiety is the most common mental disorder, but is still rare and is much more pernicious. It's much worse. It's just not understood. I think that most people are, you know, students are scared to 
tell their teachers, I couldn't do this because I was too anxious. I couldn't do my homework because I had a panic attack. Uh, there's, there's still a stigma attached to that. And I, I think there's the stigma of not being believed of this sounds like BS. Theoretically, anyone could say they had a panic attack and couldn't do their homework. Um, I think we also, I mean, we throw around the term work ethic. She has a good work ethic. That implies that there's this, you know, ethical benefit to being able to work hard. And people see it as like this personal failing that they couldn't work hard on this assignment because they were too anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Clearer communication is what's needed for teachers to say at the beginning of the class, if you are struggling with something, I will believe you. Just communicate with me and we'll work something out. And I think that's the best way to handle it. There's also the competition among peers, which is much more difficult. It feels like they're watching you, they're judging you. You know, if you wanted students who are having sort of similar struggles to take one thing from our conversation, what would that be? You have to communicate with the people who can help you and you have to help yourself at the end of the day. It feels like no one can understand you that you have this problem that is just so debilitating and so isolating. But part of the reason that's the case is that people don't know, you know, people can't see that you're suffering for me, the most helpful thing in college and in my last few years of high school did this as well has been uh, communicating with my instructors, my professors, and my teachers, not necessarily saying, listen, I have an anxiety disorder. Here are all the details. You can get accommodations. You don't, that mean you don't actually have to tell them anything you're not comfortable telling them. And they're legally obligated to provide you with things like extended deadlines and extra time. You know, their problems might come up. I'm just letting you know now. And then when the problems do come up, it's a lot easier to work out solutions because they're not hearing about it for the first time. I was just going to ask you if there's something that you wanted parents to sort of get out of this conversation. Uh, What would that be? Validate your kid's experience and make them feel like they're believed and they're heard. There's nothing more stressful when you're feeling anxious than uh, not being believed or being pushed back on. And the thing about anxiety is it's inherently irrational. Irrational anxiety is you're so nervous about a test that you can't study for that test. And if you're a parent, it doesn't help to say, well, the more you study, the less nervous you'll be, even though it would seem obvious to you. The best thing to do is just, I understand you, I hear you, What can I do to help? Let's work through this. I'm here for you. I thought it was interesting to discuss sort of the subtleties of pressure. And we were sort of comparing more explicit pressure that's put on kids and the stuff that lurks beneath the surface. I think that parents often think that the pressures that they're putting on their kids are invisible or are less impactful than they actually are. And I think it's easy to lose sight of that, but it's important to remember that your kids are always watching what you're doing. They're always 
trying to read your expectations of them. They're acutely sort of tuned into that. So you just have to be careful um, what you're expecting of them, not only on the surface, but also sort of some of the implicit expectations that you have for them, um, because that can affect levels of anxiety just as much, if not more, than the explicit ones. Next, we're chatting with Vera, a student who originally came to me with the challenges of dealing with an ultra-competitive private school system. Eventually, Vera was able to regain her footing and apply to college this fall. My name is Vera. I'm 17. I'm a senior in high school right now. I'm from New York City. Alex and I met through this program that I was doing called the Anxiety Institute. Um, I had been struggling a lot with social and academic anxiety. So could you just maybe just tell us a little bit about your experience with anxiety and how it's affected your life? I'd say my anxiety is mostly about avoidance, avoiding if my sense of self-worth is tied up in a assignment or like a conversation with a friend, I'll like avoid those feelings or... And maybe talk about how it's affected your life? I think it made me lose my power a little bit. I, I think I thought that I had to live life on anxiety's conditions a little bit, like do or don't do things that would either ease my anxiety. And so I, so I would avoid things that I would normally want to be doing or do things that I wouldn't want to do so that like that voice inside of me would just kind of quiet a little bit. I think what I kind of learned at the Anxiety Institute was that I was in control of my own life. And while I might not be able to control my anxiety, I am in control of um, how I respond to it and the way I react to it and what I give my attention. You were uh, at the time attending a very elite uh, private uh, school in Manhattan, but you took a leave of absence. Uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about that and why you had to do uh, why you had to take that leave of absence. I think it was just too much. It school had became so inflated for me. It wasn't just about doing my work or talking to teachers. It was directly connected to how I thought about myself, and especially as a person who has ADD, I don't arrive at my thoughts in an orthodox way. I don't do my work. I don't really think in a super mainstream way. And growing up at a school that really does prioritize black and white things like grades, like fitting into a mold, getting into college. I don't think that I appealed to what was considered a good student at my school. So therefore I wasn't treated like my brain or like my thoughts were worth a lot. And that really manifested in my sense of self. So uh, I'm, I'm really curious, actually, where are you studying now? And um, how do you sort of feel about the, the fit of the place where you are now? I'm still at Spence. So basically what happened to me was that I was in school. I didn't know lo how much longer I could do that. I was really suffering. I the work was piling up. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought that people thought I was lazy and just couldn't do it or stupid. And I didn't know how much longer I could do it. And so I took a leave of absence in 
November and my school was pretty understand. They were understanding about it, but then it was also just kind of like, I don't know how much they allowed me to like keep the grades I'd been getting when I was leaving and just write that as my final, as my final grade for the semester. And so I had the opportunity to go to the anxiety Institute. And then afterwards I didn't return for the spring semester. I went to this like amazing semester school um, for art in Napa called Oxbow. It was really what I needed in terms of like reframing everything a little bit, like just the misconceptions I had about education, that it it was purely for grades, purely for performance, purely to prove yourself. We had no tests at Oxbow. There was no assessment. We had homework, obviously, but it was all for you to learn about yourself. And after going to a place like that and realizing that learning didn't have to be stress inducing and it didn't have to be competitive, but it could be for the greater good, like of your own personhood a little bit. I learned more at Oxbow about myself and about my place in the world, just as an artist, as an individual, separate from being a consumer, basically at Oxbow in the two months that I was there that I had really at in the years at at my school maybe you could tell us a little bit about your family and how they have sort of played a role in your uh, anxiety i think when i was starting to kind of express to my cuz i live with my mom my dad lives in california when i was starting to kind of express to her that i was really struggling in school it was really beginning to take a toll on me i think she just wanted me to be happy and help me out a little bit. But in terms, I mean, I just think in the way that my anxiety presents itself, it is such an internal struggle for me. It's such a like, I mean, I I do think they could be more helpful sometimes, but um, it is very much an internal struggle. How could they be more helpful? And probably some of the listeners, you know, uh, our parents, um, in sort of similar situations, uh, may be curious on how they could help their child. So um, I'm just wondering, what what would ideal sort of support look like to you from a parent? From a parent, I just think it's unconditional support. It's not you wanting to support your child because it kind of reflects better on you. And I mean, I love my mom, but I do think she often acts from a place that's like, what will reflect the best on me as a parent a little bit, which I don't think, I mean, although it affects me negatively, like, I think it's a very human thing. I mean, my anxiety is centered around like people's perceptions of me. So I do understand where she's coming from in that sense. But I just think putting yourself aside and acting selflessly. And my mom does, she's a very like big personality. She has, she's very wrapped up in her, in her own stuff. And I don't know, it leaves very little room for me, let alone like my problems sometimes. So just like unconditional support. So Vera, I mean, I know you're you're a senior now, right? And uh, just got through November 1st deadlines. Are you feeling feeling better now that you've uh, gotten through that that hump? Again, I just I don't know where I end and like my kind of brainwashed mind begins because I think the point of my school is like, you know, people enroll kids at my school because they want them to go to an Ivy. And 
I just can't separate what I want from what has been expected of me and what I feel like I need to prove to people a little bit. I, I do think that if I got into an IV, I would never, I would feel like I would never have to prove myself again a little bit. I could just like put one label on it and never. Yeah. How do you think anxiety is going to play a role um, in the college process for you? I think anxiety like kind of taints everything I do. It's going to taint what decision I make, the work that I do, like my college experience itself. I mean, just with anxiety, it sometimes when you're controlled by it, like nothing you do really feels authentic because you're trying to prevent anxiety. You're trying to prevent it. You're trying to appease it. You're trying to pacify it. Like I'm just trying to trust right now that like no matter what decision I make, like things will fall into place a little bit. This is crude, but I felt like I was prostituting myself basically, like (laughs) trying to like almost anxiety kind of maybe helped my struggle just because as a person with anxiety, I kind of like have to predict how people will react to me in order to feel comfortable a little bit. And that is so much about what the college process is about. It's about appealing to a certain person with your words. And I mean, I do think a lot of my responses like if I had answered, like, I, I don't know. I remember when I was getting feedback for some of my supplements, like my, I would I was answering very honestly for some of them, like about my feelings. And my college counselor was like, this would not be appealing to a school. You saying that like this, that are, yeah, you know, and tough. I was just like, that's okay, tough. like, yeah, honest great. writing is good writing, but it's basically just like a, a model of my anxiety. Basically, like it's me trying to be honest with people, but not being able to a little bit just because I'm, I want certain things in life and I want to control the process. And that's a tough, that's a tough conflict. I'd say absolutely. So I'm curious, sort of one of the sub questions, but I mean, what coping strategies have you uh, adopted to uh, help you overcome your challenges with anxiety? In terms of coping mechanisms, like actually meditating, just kind of realizing that you aren't your thoughts, but you're you're the observation of your thoughts. You are the one who's experiencing headspace. As messy as my inner world can be, just trying to find the one voice that's like, you're doing so well. I'm so proud of you. Anxiety wants you to think that you don't have power over it, but you can pick and choose which, which thoughts in you resonate a little bit. Another exercise that I like to do is So you know how like you usually feel things like either in your stomach or in your throat or like your feelings are connected to your body. I usually like to connect with my arms a little bit because you don't really feel feelings in your arms. So it's like I'm bigger than these feelings that I'm experiencing. Most the chakras, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I believe in that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, though, too. You've had your struggles with the traditional educational system, and I think the competitive New York system in particular. What do you think the major shortcomings of our school system are? I just think it's become a completely bastardized thing of what it used to be. Like, it's not like, okay, think about a test. A test used to be a test of your knowledge, but now we study for tests to get a grade for it. It's just become such an inflated version of what it used to be. It's it's not about learning anymore. I mean, I mean, there's always my like conspiracy theory part of it. That's like, they want to teach you to sit at a desk all day to prepare you for capitalism, where all your, your worth is, is like your ability to follow rules and that kind of thing. The hardest part about anxiety is that like, 
in situ- scenarios like at my school, like in order to get by, you have to go against everything that you've been working on yourself. So, yeah, I mean, time for sort of final reflections here. If you wanted students uh, or having similar struggles to you uh, to take one thing from our conversation, what would that be? One, that you're not alone. I think something that anxiety tries to convince it. I mean, anxiety is like an abusive spouse. Like they try to isolate you from everyone. They try to convince you that you're crazy. Like you're not. Everybody is going through the exact same thing, but we're so scared that nobody is going through it that we don't say anything. But I think you can be vulnerable and inspire a lot of people. You can be like, I'm struggling right now, and it will make a lot of other people open up too. I would say the traditional educational system in our country is basically an extension of capitalist economy. I mean, it's about competition, right? Survival of the fittest, social Darwinism. It has some great effects as far as efficiency goes from a societal standpoint, but it's just grinding away our kids at younger and younger ages. I certainly think there's ways of mitigating it, and I think the start by looking at standardized testing and thinking about backwards instruction, I guess, is the best way to talk about it. What is it that we want out of our final products? And certainly the answer to that isn't anxious wrecks. If we're going to design things um, in terms of that backwards instruction, what is our standardized testing going to look like? Certainly it should involve some sort of social skills, right? Emotional skills, some fortitude in that area. That's what we should be teaching in addition to sort of academic excellence. So a couple of takeaways from um, talking to what I would call a couple of classic cases of, of anxiety in teens and young adults is that they have a very big role to play in that kid's sense of self. So they have the power to sort of to affect change there, to be able to support that kid. It might not be in the ways that you think, too. It might not be about helping them academically. In fact, it might be about simple validation of this is a big struggle. It might be about just being positive and seeing the good things that they're doing. Even though the tendency, I think, and the instinct is, you know, to talk about self-improvement, they've already got that voice like in their head that's strong and powerful and they keep it hidden, but it's there. It's definitely there and it drives them. So you just have to be, I think, acutely sensitive of the impact that your words have on your child. Because again, I think that's a very, very close relationship in some ways that are entirely invisible to parents. Thanks for listening to Graduating Anxiety, the podcast that helps caregivers of anxious learners overcome obstacles to find academic success and build continuously happy lives. If you liked this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Alex Merrill. See you next time.